breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport City Councilman Alan Jackson joining us. Uh, Alan, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are y'all? We are doing well, thank you. Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault joined us a little bit earlier this morning, telling uh, telling us about uh, why he made the decision to veto the current new noise ordinance. Are you going to try to mount an override? Um, no, uh, the mayor did comment before making his decision. Um, so he was kind of clear as to wh- uh, why he made those decisions. Um, I think for me, the, the question that was always up in the air, um, we've had a lot of people talk about it, um, but there was always just, you know, a question in the air as to uh, the noise ordinance that was approved always talked about an affected party. So what do we consider an affected party? So it goes back to where are we going to be measuring um, the sound from? Um, so I would agree at the receiving end, 85 is way too loud at the receiving end if that's where we're going to be measuring. Um, so for me, this goes back to making sure that we're clear as we're talking about an affected party and where the sound is going to be measured from. Um, so I think we can work out a compromise. I, I don't think we should try to mount uh, an override uh, because I agree, um, 85 decibels is way too loud at the receiving end. Well, why'd you pass it then? It was your it was your amendment. So I, I passed the amendment because, again, the question goes back to, and again, if you look at back at council meeting, where are we going to be measuring from? Um, there was some argument that says, look, uh, if 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 they're over 85 and they're breaking the law, then you shouldn't have an, you shouldn't have to have a complaint. There should not have to be an affected party. Where the, if there is no complaint, then where do you measure to determine if they're over 85 decibels? So 85 allows wiggle room and interpretation of the procedure. But if the procedure becomes clear that you have to have an affected party, you have to have a complaint, and it will be measured from that affected party, then yes. It's easy to take the decibel levels down and still have and hope for a vibrant downtown. That's what we're trying to protect. Would you be amenable to like uh, one of the original propositions was a 70 dB and then dropping to 65 after 2 a.m.? So I, what I want to do is just go back and look at the language to make sure that we're clear in the procedure on how we measure the decibels. Um, again, I'm really concerned with where and who is considered an affected party. And then when we talk about, they talk about property lines. So am I measuring from your front door? Am I measuring from inside your home? Um, when I did a lot of my extensive research, um, I did distance, but I also did inside of car doors closing, inside of uh, businesses closing. And so I want to make sure that we're clear on where we're measuring from and who is really considered an affected party. This legislation really started off um, in my opinion, as targeting one business. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. You you truly believe that? Folks live downtown. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you got to realize this this uh, patio has been going on for over five years. 
And Aaron, I will tell you that I have, I've only talked to maybe one, two people that actually live downtown as a resident that has complaints. I haven't received a whole bunch of people that live downtown that says, Dr. Jackson, Councilman Jackson, I cannot sleep. Um, so I, this really started off, and, and, and I can give you the background story. Um, they started researching. The only ordinance that was on the books is what we call the noise ordinance because that was designed for construction. That was making sure fracking wasn't too loud. So this ordinance, the reason it was not enforceable, was never designed for entertainment. It was never designed for music and a vibrant downtown. And so that's why the administration, they did a great job of a lot of research to make sure that we can actually enforce this law. So I agree with all the enforcement of the law. The question is the sound. And but you, we you posted, Alan, Alan Jackson, you posted on your Facebook page, and I'm quoting, uh-huh. they hear noise, I hear revenue. What if it's across the street from your house, Alan Jackson? So if it's across the street from is my house. Is it revenue? And, 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 and the, the noise ordinance, the 85, let's, let's, let's be clear, uh, uh, Aaron, what's for downtown? Um, it's for other bars and restaurants that are trying to generate funds for the city. So I, I'm, I'm adamant about that. Uh, the bloodline of this city comes through finding people that's going to come to Shreveport and spend money where we can get tax revenue. That's how we fix our streets. That's how we build our infrastructure. That's how we get people to move back to Streetport. So all of that is important. Um, now, with respect to Councilman Brooks, downtown is his district. Yet, downtown is going to be the heartbeat of Streetport. So we have to pay attention to everything that's happening downtown, and we have to make this vibrant. I've talked to so many different conferences that simply saying we're not choosing Streetport because you don't have a vibrant downtown. But they're choosing other cities that quote unquote. But then when you have, have people gathering and and having shootings and fighting and illegal activity going on downtown, that's running business out of downtown. You're correct, and that's something that we have to address. But gathering is not an issue. Loitering is not an issue. We don't consider people loitering when there's a, a lot of people in other places enjoying themselves. But it should be done decently in order and in a safe manner. And so we're working on that to make sure that 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 doesn't happen. But we don't want to combine the two. We don't want to combine entertainment, large crowds with, oh, this just means that it's going to be crime. Because that, that that doesn't mean that. We can have a lot of people downtown walking, enjoying themselves, going from different bars to different bars, and everybody doing that decently in order, the same way you see uh, people go to a large concert. The, the haze on Texas was not previously in the entertainment district. Your, this ordinance extended the entertainment district to take them in. Do you think that was wise because you have, you have housing right across the street? I've visited a lot of places that have mixed-use spaces where you have residential areas and entertainment districts side by side. And if you research a lot of those places from a real estate point of view, those property values are one of the highest property values in those given areas. Now, I agree. It's different if you wasn't aware. But if downtown becomes the downtown that we envisioned in 10 years, then the property value in downtown is going to skyrocket. Getting in and being part of downtown right now is the smarter move if we're able to vitalize downtown to the vision that we want it to be a vibrant downtown where ultimately my goal is for people in Dallas to say, you know what, I'm going to Shreveport for the weekend, not the reverse. 
It sounds ludicrous right now. It sounds funny, but the same argument. I want people to say, in Houston, we're going to Shreveport for the weekend. Why? Shreveport has more to offer than what could be offered in Shreveport and offered in Houston and, and Dallas. We have casinos. We can we can build this city to where Shreveport is the number one option and not any Texas-based place. Well, that I, is the future. That I would love goal. for that to happen. Uh, we're talking with uh, City Councilman Dr. Alan Jackson. But, Alan, why won't some of these business owners go, you know, I can do this, but should I do this? Is this actually good for the city? You're saying these businesses want to want to make money for the city, but that's not what's happening. It, it's more of an attitude of I'm going to do this to hell with anything else. And, and, and I disagree with that mindset, and I'm not aware of any businesses that has that mindset. And so, uh, Mike, if we talk about going back to an effective party, and, and here's where I'm, I'm looking at it, because I, I'm looking at it from both sides, not just the revenue and the business side, an affected party. So let's talk about businesses. What businesses are actually being affected at that particular time at that night? Think about it. And when we talk about affecting, we're talking about being affected by what we call the noise. So if I'm inside conducting my business and I have music too, or even if I don't have music at all, is the music affecting my business and my my patrons if I have a business downtown? Just think about all the businesses. Okay, and, but and what about people mind. that are that are driving through downtown and get stopped in the middle of the street and people are dancing on their cars? And again, to me, that has nothing to do with the loudness of the music. Well, that it's attracting me, people it, on the street. The club is attracting the people, Alan. And you've got but, and you've got DJs but, instructing Aaron, you, people. You mentioned, you, mentioned, you mentioned earlier, people will go where there is no police present. That's going to be for a party. That's going to be any uh, open parking lot. Just young kids are going to find places to pull up enjoy themselves, turn up their music. They don't have to have a, a quote-unquote patio to do that. So we, we got to send a message that says there's no loitering involved. Yet we still have to be very careful with downtown because the vision downtown, we may have a food court corridor. We want people downtown, but we want people downtown doing the right thing and spending money. That That's what we want. We don't want anybody just congregate anything where things can pop off or escalate. So we have to be very careful when we're trying to set up downtown that says, oh, we want it peaceful. We don't want any people. Then to me, that's a dying city. You know, that's a city that says, I, when I drive downtown, I hear no music. It's peaceful. There's no people. So what that's saying, go home, go to bed. Go will you, to will you bring a new people. noise ordinance before the council with lower decibel levels? Will you personally do that or encourage your colleagues to do that? So the, 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 that's simple, Aaron. Um, my goal is to find uh, a, a decibel level that uh, the administration would support or a supermajority of council would support. And it may be the, the same the same level. Um, but that is the goal. But I, I yes, something has to the be the same level. You talking eighty five again? No, 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 no. Well, no, when I'm saying the same level, uh, what a super majority of council would approve may be the same level as what the administration um, would approve themselves as well. Um, but that's we don't want to keep going back and forth. Um, I don't want council to pass um, a new decimal levels. Um, that administration feels is too too high, and that gets vetoed again. Um, we're not trying to do this to the citizens. We're not trying to do this to the business. We need to come to a level that everybody can agree to so we can move forward and make those necessary adjustments. 
Um, so if the if it, the ordinance is clear and we're going to be measuring from the receiving end, um, then, like I said earlier, 85 is way too high. I definitely feel like we can come down from 85. Councilman Allen Jackson, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jackson. What a Wednesday. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Former Shreveport City Council member Lavette Fuller joining us. Good morning, Lavette. Thanks for pulling over and safely talking with us on the telephone. You heard Councilman Jackson. Uh, flaws, yes. in his, flaws in his argument, his comments? It's completely disingenuous to compare our entire central district business to an entertainment district in any other metropolitan area. Beale Street is not a part of the central business district of Memphis. There are parts of Nashville that are, like, designated for entertainment. The French Quarter is not the central district, the central business district of New Orleans. And 6th Street in Austin, Deep Element, Dallas, these are not areas that are deterring from live workspace or business space. They are designated and sequestered for entertainment and walkability. And on the weekends in particular, they remove vehicular traffic for pedestrians to have more space. But not in any of those places. In particular, Deep Ellen, where you have rooftops, and in Austin on 6th Street, you have open-air amphitheaters for live music. But not one of those places is hitting the sound the volume that you're getting downtown on that rooftop right now where you are vibrating the windows on adjacent areas where people are trying to sleep. Why did this council go why did this council go with eighty five decibels? Was it for that one particular business? They are trying to find a compromise based on the OSHA idea of what is too loud for the human ear in a work environment. I think it was good that they at least tried to find an objective measure, but they're not taking into account something that Crystal Chica said last week, that when you go up 10 points, that's an exponent. That's like an exponential 100% louder than the 10 Mm -hmm. points before. 60 to 70, 100% louder. 70 to 80, 100% louder. They're not taking that into account. The other thing they're not saying is, hey, if you're going to have outdoor music, what are you going to do to dampen the sound so you're not impacting your neighbors? What he's saying about the loitering and everything, you're creating um, an attractive nuisance, whether you intend to or not. And you're making an environment that the police have to come in and intervene on when you don't have the infrastructure in place for that. I made a live video last week out on Commerce Street explaining that it is actually part of the entertainment district and if we were actually investing in that and incentivizing that you could still have the kind of rooftop that Hayes had a year ago that people weren't complaining about where you could have a little bit of light of live music but not hip hop not a DJ that is so loud that you're actually interacting with it from the street you could have all the entertainment and have the street blocked off on Commerce Street. The sidewalks are loud enough that you wouldn't be obstructed to anyone. And you could have all of that nightlife in a sequestered area and still have plenty of areas to make lots of revenue off of people living and working downtown. Last 30 seconds, he said that we were, the council was targeting this business, Hayes. Disagree strongly? I don't disagree strongly. I think that it's not about targeting. I think that they happen to be creating an environment 
that is much louder than they were a year ago. And I think that that is the reason that we're reacting. I don't think you should ever be reacting just to one thing. And that's why it seems that you should be making comprehensive policies that affect, impact everyone in a positive way. You're getting complaints, though, of the people that live in the standard. It's not just the one or two people that he's hearing from. It's the people that Gary Brooks might be hearing from. Mm. But the thing is, you can't, you have to be accountable for what you're doing. Yes. Thank you so much. And that is not a part of the entertainment district. LeBeth Fuller, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks. Bye, y'all. 1017 FM, 710 Kiel. Breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. You just had a story about airline boarding mm-hmm. and boarding window seats first. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. Why haven't we been doing why, that? Why hasn't anybody thought of that? Because you board rows 18 through 35, and so everybody in that little area is all crumpling up together trying to get their stuff overhead. I've, I've heard for years how much people love Southwest. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I had never flown Southwest until we just went to that wedding in Atlanta a few weeks ago. Okay. Aaron, I, first of all, I get motion sickness. I get, uh. I get, you know, I, I, if I could get the bulkhead seat, it, it oh, helps. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, over the wing or, you know, right in front of the wing seems to be a little smoother mm-hmm. part of the plane. So when you don't have assigned seating, when you can't purchase a specific seat for specific reasons like I have. Sure. Aaron, it added so much stress to me. Going, I don't want to be stuck in a middle seat. I'm a lar- I'm a big dude. Yeah, and you know, in the back of the plane or something like that. Right. It wasn't worth it to me. No, I was it, like, I'd rather fly where I can choose my own seat. Yes, I learned a trick on my last trip. I think to California. Um, it was during when I had the knee issues. Right. And so I was asking them to meet me with a, a wheelchair so they could, I wouldn't have to walk through the airport. But I also had ordered the bulkhead seat. Yeah, and so when perfect. I got to yeah. the desk, listen to this. They said, if you're in a wheelchair, you're not allowed to have that seat by the emergency exit. You're not allowed. If you're, if you're oh, wheelchair bound, yeah. you're not, I said, I'm not wheelchair bound. I just need to, I'm sorry, but that's our policy. If you if you require a wheelchair for any reason, you can't sit in an emergency row exit. So I thought, no, to say, I said, never mind. Never do that again. Yeah. When I got off the plane, I called for a wheelchair. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, a little note to self on that. But, I didn't know but that. Th- but then Southwest also has a thing where it's like they board you. You get a depending, I guess, when you check in online on your phone or whatever. Right. That's when you board. You know, you're in section one B or yeah. You know, in the boarding area. And like, right. It was so stressful. I hated it. Yeah. Now I know. I know the boarding window seat first. If you're with your family. They're not going to say, Daddy, you're in the window seat. You get on first. No, your kids are going to wait here. No, if you're going to, you can still board with your family. Right. But if you're traveling alone and you have a window seat, you get on first. Get in your seat, get situated, then people can file. Now, in was after that you. A, a specific airline? United Airlines only okay. right now. But right. I would bet they'll follow suit because this will save time. It no doubt will save time. Right. And they can get the planes moving faster. That's their hope anyway. 
Interesting idea. So, somebody posted a funny meme about somebody standing up as the plane was still taxiing, saving that six, that precious six seconds to get their <laughs> overhead open. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Before the plane oh, docks. It can be stressful, that's for sure. It's so stressful, yes. Uh, coming up later this morning, uh, in fact, after the news, top of the hour, local uh, Shreveport business owner Tim Huck going to share his thoughts mm-hmm. on uh, the mayor's veto of the sound ordinance. Uh, Chief we... Smith's in, too, in the 7 Chief o'clock Smith, hour. that's right. He's mm-hmm. coming in the same hour, too. Yep. So busy morning. Uh, Sheriff candidate John Nicholson going to join us this morning. So we've got a great morning. Uh, stay with Mike and McCarty, 1017FM17Keel.com. Back with more of Mike and McCarty on 1017FM and 710Keel. You know, I, I, I just mentioned I get, I, I get motion sickness, and I have since I was a kid, a child, riding in the back seat of a car. Mm-hmm. You know, couldn't I just can't handle it? And yes. apparently, it's not anything you grow out of. Really? Uh, you know, <laughs> apparently not. <laughs> I'm 62 and still still has suffering. Still suffer from oh, it. Boy. Yeah, the flight back from Atlanta was horrendous. Uh, Bumpy or? Turbulence. Yeah, just turbulence. And it was just, oh, it was miserable. Oh, that's frightening. And oddly enough, I love roller coasters. And I thought one year, when in fact, when I was working uh, across the hallway at KWKH doing mornings there, we were at the state fair broadcasting. And you know, the fair has those helicopter rides. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I went up in the helicopter with the, with the Marty unit and broadcast one of my breaks. We used to do them all live. Remember in those days Mm -hmm. and uh, did it from the helicopter going Mm -hmm. around the fair. Never once did I get, it was so much fun. Yeah. And I saw a thing, I saw an ad on Facebook where Metro Aviation in Shreveport is looking to hire helicopter pilots for med flights. Oh, cool. Okay. I I thought, I'd love to do that. I'd love to be a chopper pilot. I'm like, well, you should apply. Would they? Yeah. (laughs) How far could you get? How far along the process could you get before they realize? Oh my gosh, would never... that be hilarious? Could you get into the cockpit? You think? I don't. Could you think, fake no, it all? Because something like that, they would have they to would check. They would yeah. have to do a background check. And yeah, and call somebody and see <laughs> so a in, license. Could you fake a license? I mean, I've I'm talked, not. I'm not advocating this. I'm just wondering. That would be that would be funny just to go in and like you own the place. Yeah. Yeah. Let me fill like, out my application. Transferring. I want. I want Got, to, yeah. Got transferred here to Barksdale, and now I'm getting out of the Air Force, and just completely, completely bogus. Steal that valor, yeah. Yeah. And say, yeah, I flew Apache helicopters in the Air Force. My grandfather did. He flew helicopters in Vietnam. I'm not. Please, I'm not telling anybody to go try this, but I'm just curious. Would would I get to the to the cockpit? Actually, yeah. Could you ever get to the chopper before somebody would figure it out? And if you did, oh dear God! That's a Frank Abern Ab, 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 Abagnale tale yes, right there. Yes, Re- yes. Catch me if you can. Mm-hmm. The true story of the uh, the guy who. Oh no, kidding! That was a crazy movie too. Was that Leo DiCaprio? Leo, yeah. yeah. I don't think you'd get in the cockpit. I, uh, I, I would certainly hope not, and especially not now. The guys at Metro Aviation, if they're listening, are going, come on, no, come on, we're not idiots. Some sort of (laughs) test about how does the doohickey connect to the doo-whopper. 
Yeah. You have to answer some sort of test, yeah, first. We, we did a flight simulator, I remember, in junior high school, and I scored, like, second highest in the school for oh. uh, airplane. They okay. used to do, we, they used to teach you stuff, actual cool stuff, and then uh, they had a flight simulator at the school, oh, Russian I, junior high school, and, wow. and that was so much fun. I really, if, if, if you were to say, do you have regrets, being a pilot, I would have liked to have gone through and done like even fighter pilot i don't even want to tell this story on the air but but i will reuben you might have to i don't know oh i can hit i've got a dump we've oh, got, right. dump we got buttons right here. here i've got one right here so uh, my kids love video games and so they would play video games and one time they convinced me to buy this game that you learn how to fly planes mm-hmm. and mike i kept crashing <laughs> I, into the mountain into the lake i couldn't get the freaking plane off the ground I would start cussing at the TV because I couldn't get the. It was so complicated because you had to do the trim. You had to. I'm a, and I'm looking at my boys like, how are y'all flying? They're flying it to the moon. They're fly- I couldn't get the damn thing off the ground. My mom bought a a session at the B fifty two simulator about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I flew a B fifty two simulator. Oh wow! Over Las Vegas at night because you could choose your horizon. And I flew it right over the, right through the spotlight that shines straight up. And the guy was like, that's pretty impressive. I'd have crashed it into a mountain. <laughs> it was mm. fun. <laughs> uh, Tim Huck joining us, top of the hour, 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Hi. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. I was talking earlier about flying Southwest for the first time a, few, a couple months ago, and and how stressful it it was for me personally not having my assigned seat mm-hmm. because I, I just I I like having a a like you say if I can get the bulkhead seat that's perfect absolutely yeah and and my wife usually tries to get that um, uh, we got a message. On um, the Shreveport Security Systems message board, uh, Tom says, yeah, Southwest Airlines boarding is definitely a cattle call. Mm-hmm. He says, the good thing about Southwest is most of their pilots are retired military. Yes. If you fly Southwest, you'll notice they tend to taxi faster and take <laughs> off at a more <laughs> steep angle. They are in a better, bigger hurry. That's for sure. Yeah. I, now, I told you when I was at Bozier, a friend of mine from Bozier High School uh, a long time ago, ended up flying B-52s for the Air Force mm-hmm. for years. He retired from the Air Force and went to Delta, okay. where he still flies today for Delta Airlines. So he's a, a former military pilot as well. It's a great career. And I, oh my I would gosh. love to travel. I would love, you know, if I get to go to Denver and lay over for a night or two, that would be awesome. Other places would be kind of cool just to go see. Problem is they don't get a long layover typically a lot of right. them. It's like turn right around and come it's not go. Like you yeah. Can, yeah. It's you not can, like you, you get a week off. two or three days there. I guess you could plan it perhaps. But right. they fly for free so if they want to take their family somewhere they typically get Now I told tickets. you I got to go out on Barksdale to their B-52 training flight simulator. Aaron, when you're sitting in that cockpit, first of all, you have to climb in. It's like an actual cockpit. God. It, you don't go, like, you sit at a table with a computer screen. Right. You're climbing into an actual B-52 cockpit. Right. With all the 
switches and dials and knobs and the screen in front of you goes i mean it's probably 30 feet around wow and it is so real and they can take this simulator and move it like the movement of the plane Mm -hmm. so if you bank if you're banking right the whole thing banks to the right which they didn't even turn on, and I still got, I still got sick. Oh my because goodness! Because of those screens, because yes. they move, it was incredible. Oh, it was incredible. That is so cool. That is so cool. We're going to talk about the uh, noise ordinance next hour. We have Tim Huck joining us. He owns clubs downtown, owns a lot of businesses in town, and Chief Wayne Smith is joining us at seven forty. How's he going to enforce the existing ordinance now that the mayor has vetoed the new one? We'll talk about that. With 85 decibels, mm-hmm. which was a joke. But that's done and done, so it's uh, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> 7FM, 710Keel, and on the free Keel app. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with downtown business owner Tim Huck. Tim, uh, first of all, welcome to our our new home here. Hey, nice studio. I've uh, remodeled us and moved us over. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yes. Now you own uh, a couple of bars downtown. Is that right? Yes, sir. The uh, Sandbar, Sandbar, and Phoenix. Get real close to that mic. Okay, Sandbar and Phoenix. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you heard um, Councilman Alan Jackson talking about uh, the mayor's veto of the noise ordinance. First, were you surprised the mayor vetoed? And I'm sure you called him and asked and encouraged him to do so. I, I was thankful the mayor vetoed. How about how about okay. use those words? <laughs> and and Dr. Jackson said we're not going to fight the mayor. You know he we don't probably have the votes. He doesn't have the votes, and he knows he doesn't have the votes. He would he would fight if he had them. Did you hear him say anything logical? Um, I don't think anyone heard him say anything logical. Uh, the clown emoji is kind of what popped in my head when he was talking. Uh, I would have respected him more if he had just said, to, uh, Shalette Holden, my friend, can do whatever she wants. Uh, I would have at least had a little bit of respect for what he had to say. He was just making up stuff as he went. Are you certain they're friends? Uh, 100% positive. Okay. Um, and but do you think she gets special favors? Oh, without a doubt. Between Tabitha Taylor and uh, and Alan Jackson, it's 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 an absolute joke. They, uh, I mean, they absolutely state almost state, hey, can can Mr. Huck, who owns multiple properties downtown, not be a complainant? Can we want to find out who the complaining is going to be? The complaining is anyone who's negatively affected by you breaking the law. However, when you break a law, there shouldn't even have to be a complainant. When you know, uh, the, the, the mayor said, you know, they have a option to write a ticket if you're going 36 in a 35. But if you're doing 80 in a 35, they have to write a ticket. They have to arrest you. They have to do something. And this guy's going, well, we don't want, we don't want the, uh, we want to make sure who the complaining is. I mean, he plainly said, well, are they measuring with the doors closed? Like you have to be a hostage in your house. You have to be a hostage in your business. If you work or live in downtown and you don't like the loud noise, go inside your property and close the door and barricade yourself in immediately. What in the world are you saying? You're a clown. Is, is there a compromise to be had here, Tim? There's always a compromise to be had. What it has to start with is people understanding the negative effect that they're having. People have to understand that they have been breaking the law 
for a very long time without anyone enforcing. Now the mayor has said the law is enforceable. I've always read the law to be enforceable, and it's very simple. It's not a very comprehensive thing to be able to read. If you can clearly hear if you can clearly hear it, if it's clearly audible at 50 feet, then it's a violation of the law. Okay, They want to throw all these DBs and throw all this confusing stuff. And literally, Tabitha Taylor and Alan Jackson did a great job of confusing people. But Alan Jackson, you have doctor by your name, and you're obviously not a medical doctor. So it's got to be some form of education that you've got. You've got to be able to comprehend simple words. Well, he made he did make the comment that he said, you know, at at one in the morning, businesses downtown businesses aren't affected by the music. Well, I would love for him to uh, spend his money and open something downtown. Not sure he has any, but I would love for him to spend his own money and open something downtown if he believes that. I'd love for them to do a research study and see from the time that they changed their music levels to now what the sales tax revenue that is generated in downtown at night from the nightclub and bar industries, from the hotel uh, people who have moved out or left, parties that are no longer going to places like the Remington that used to go there. The the sales are down all over downtown. What, can, what's what's the impact on your business? Oh, How bad my, is it? My business is, is, is substantially down. It's, it's substantially down. It's um, probably 50% down. That's because you're not a good businessman. You don't know how to run a business. That's what they'll say, right? Yeah, anyone can say that about me. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's that's a, that that could definitely be a statement you could say about me. I've uh, you direct it all to what's going on. I mean, it's all directly related. You think? Oh well, it's one hundred percent. When you've got people tell me point blank, I don't feel safe. I'm scared to go downtown. When you go, when you log on to the internet and type in downtown Shreveport, okay. And then put anything, dance in the streets, party, yada, yada, yada. And watch the people blocking traffic. Watch the number of people twerking in the middle of the streets. Watch the crowds. Try to walk into my establishment while they've got 400 people across the street getting maced. And you've got to get maced and you've got to breathe mace while you're walking into the establishment across the street. There's no possible way that can do anything but negatively impact you. Look, when you can make me and Lavette Fuller totally agree, you've got to be 100% wrong. And we totally agree on this, that fact that Texas Street and Spring Street are both U.S. highways. You cannot block them off. You cannot stop them. They start talking about Bill Street. They start talking about Bourbon Street. And these streets are closed off. You don't have to drive through them. You don't have to drive down them. You can't even drive down them to get to adjoining businesses. They have places for you to park without having to drive through them. It's got to be negatively affecting the casinos. How quickly do you need to see a change to bring your business back and other businesses that are struggling too? Ten months ago when we first started talking about this, I mean, the first time I was in front of the council was in November of last year. Okay. Now, now you said November is when they started the rooftop uh, music. Is no, that- what happened is Shillette leased her building, which is not legal, to Pat Holden, who has, I mean, to Pat Brown, who has stated on the mic that he is the leaser of the building. Okay. But she did that last year. And shortly after that, he changed the volume. He changed the sound system that's upstairs and he changed everything. So when she says we've been open for six years, she's true. And we didn't complain about it for a long, long time because there was never a problem. They did play the music at a higher level than legal, but they didn't play music at a level that is attracting people to just hang out on the street. It wasn't creating the atmosphere that we have now. And where your problem is, is that in November, they had a DJ get on the roof and tell people, oh, we can't fit anyone else up here. 
which by the way, their legal capacity is 145. And he, uh, Pat Brown even said the other day he had 500 up there. So where's your fire marshal? Where are we enforcing any laws? We just, hey, we're just a lawless city at this point. So um, what happens when they enforce the law now? Under the old ordinance, do they get a ticket? Do they have to turn it down? What's the process? Is, You've been cited that before. Is, that is a wonderful question. Uh, we, we lost a liquor license behind a, uh, behind a noise ordinance many years ago. Um, they, uh, the, they technically, they come in, they tell you one time to turn it down. The next time they're supposed to ticket you and the next time they're supposed to be an arrest mate. Um, now what will they do? Uh, I have absolutely no clue, but I can tell you that, um, the law is, is very clear. Um, it should have been enforced in from last year. Uh, we shouldn't even be at this point at the present time. If they had just enforced the ordinance that's on the books, we'd probably be somewhere else. But I mean, you know, I want to understand the, the city attorney went and talked to her and she's like, oh, I can't live with that number and I can't live with this number. And and she basically, the, the owner of Hayes, come up with the number 85. So she's dictating the law. Well, she thought that she she controlled four votes and four votes could control the well, law. Well, Alan Jackson said, though, we were singling her out. Well, you, you are. You single out the crack house that you busted last night, too. You do single out the people who are breaking the law. That is correct. You do single out the people who are breaking the law. You don't single out the people who are following the law. You single out the people who are breaking the law. So if you're the one breaking the law, yes, unfortunately, you are singled out. Can you stay with us? I want to talk about the future of downtown. Definitely. Okay. Tim Huck is in studio. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710keel.com. More breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710keel. In studio with downtown business owner Tim Huck joining us. Got a you, great, got a, you got an email? Got a great text message, Tim. East Bank in Bossier is the immediate winner of Shreveport making terrible decisions. Are um, many of these downtown business owners looking to leave downtown and find greener pastures? Oh, I can, East Bank, other spots. I can tell you that I'm personally in negotiations for a property outside of Shreveport. Uh, Chase Boydham, uh, with, uh, Fatty Arbuckles has, um, expressed an interest, looked at, and even made, reached out to looking at locations outside of Shreveport. Um, not just outside of downtown, outside, outside, of, outside, of, Shreveport. outside of Shreveport. Um, yeah. And, I, and that's I, heartbreaking. Yeah. That is heartbreaking. I, I would so, sell everything I own for 70 cents on a dollar in, uh, everything I own in Shreveport. To get out, I, I, I'd sell everything I own in Shreveport. Every, okay, every so, property, every house. Tim Huck, what would, what would have to change to make you and Chase not feel this way. Um, a city council that that wants to work for everyone and not just their friends. Uh, police department that wants to enforce all the ordinances uh, correctly and uh, and make make people feel safe and welcome in downtown again. Um, and when I say safe and welcome, uh, you, the, we've got the police officers downtown now, guys. They they've got twenty twenty five cops downtown, but. If they don't enforce the ordinances, I don't care how many cops you put because once the crowds get so big, the cops are so outnumbered that they can't do anything anyway. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again. They keep talking about we don't have enough officers to enforce these simple laws, and I'm going to say you don't have enough officers not to enforce the simple laws. The little stuff turns into big stuff. If you never had the crowds built up in the first place, we wouldn't have the shootings. If you didn't have the crowds built up in the first place when you did have to have a confrontation you wouldn't have to have so much tear gas so much mace uh that you that that a cloud of mace hits my establishments 
Um, there's a lot that's going to have to be be done, but you start by enforcement and and cleaning up. The the fact is, is downtown's just it's it's not vibrant and it, and it hasn't been in a long time and it doesn't look vibrant. Um, and and you know I'm a person who's got millions invested in Shreveport, not not a little bit of money. And uh, and you've got a city council when I get up and speak and they don't even want to listen to a local investor who invests their own money, not someone else's money. I don't go get money from the city or money from this. It's my money that I'm investing. And when you're not listening to to local investors who are putting their own money in, uh, you're, you're, you're telling uh, the, uh, that you're not business friendly. Where do we go from here? What do you hope happens? Well, uh, I hope that the chief comes in here today and tells you he's going to start enforcing uh, the law that is on the books. I'm hoping that uh, the city council uh, decides that, hey, let's sit down and have a real conversation with everyone affected and, and come up if we need a new law. If we enforce what's on the books, I say don't change anything. But the reality is, is that's that's my personal opinion. That's not necessarily what's best for everybody. Uh, we could probably have some form of compromise that comes to works works uh, for everyone involved that can be a little bit better than where we're at, and uh, and and work and and work forward for progress. If we continue going down the road we're going, how long can you personally? Keep your businesses open in downtown Shreveport. Well, I mean, an honest answer is I can keep them as long as I want to because I have revenue sources elsewhere. Uh, how long will I is a different conversation. Uh, how long can I? How long will I is not the same answer. Uh, but uh, I'll Are you within months of um, saying I, I, this is not making money? Probably first of the year I'll be looking at uh, making a decision on doing something different if uh, if nothing changes. If the police department starts enforcing the law as it exists and the council starts working together better, making better policy, then you think we could turn this around? Uh, Then I personally invest more and and work harder into into those businesses instead of focusing on other ventures. Worried about this weekend? How loud it's going to be? We're going to see it for 740, I guess. (laughs) <laughs> he's actually coming 840. in at 840. 840. I screwed that up. Okay, so he's coming well, in at 840. Uh, I guess we're going to hear at 840 how worried yeah. I am about this weekend. <laughs> well, I, again, I, it's just heartbreaking to me um, as a native Shreveporter that, you know, businesses are, are at this point. Um, try, and, try to be one who, 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 who cut his teeth in Shreveport, come up here and, and, and earn the money that I've reinvested back into the city. Um and then to, to watch the uh, demise mainly due to the fact of of a couple of council members want to take care of their one friend. Mm, interesting stuff. We'll keep watching. We'll have the chief in in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks for coming in. Hey, thank you all for having me. Mm-hmm. Tim Huck in studio. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keel, and on the free Keel app. Back to the big stories of the day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Did you have a story about should they or should they not teach cursive handwriting? Well, th- they are going to do it now in have California. No, they don't. I don't think they teach it in Louisiana. I may be mistaken. Somebody correct me. But students in California will now have to learn to write in cursive. The new law signed by what's the governor's name? Gavin Gavin Newsom. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he signed the law requires cursive instruction in grades one through six. 
I couldn't get out of school. I can't write in cursive. Really? No. no. I can't do it. If I did it, you wouldn't be able to read it. Not a lick of it. Printing takes so long. I just print. That's all I've been doing for decades now. My cursive is so ugly, nobody could read it. You couldn't even come close to reading. I wouldn't even know how to start doing it now. I, w- I okay, really I'm wouldn't. Gonna, I'm going to walk around because, see, tell me, this is cursive. Okay. All right, this is just, just get on, you can. Okay, Metro Aviation is looking for helicopter pilots. Okay, I can read it. That's not bad. Your little aviation, your V and your I aren't connected. Your L and your O aren't connected in looking. You fail. They're all supposed to be connected, right? I have what's called a serial killer handwriting. Do you? Is, uh, <laughs> Why yeah, does the, that not surprise the, me, the, Ruben? The, the teachers didn't want me to use cursive anymore. You know, they they couldn't read it. So I started printing. Then they didn't want me to print anymore. So they started <laughs> making me type up all of my <laughs> reports and stuff. Yeah, it was you. awful. Well, a, a, another issue for me, I'm left-handed. So when I write, I'm dragging my hand across the ink. Oh, yeah. Or which is why I some of it's lifted. You know. Well, I I can't do it. I can't write in cursive. I'd have to. And you remember those lines? We used to have those lines that we would write. We would do our letters. And then it would have like the dotted line between the two lines, so you would know how high to bring, like your eye. And do they still do that anymore? Apparently not. Way old school. Yeah. I don't think I could do it anymore. I can make an L. That's it. I can the, make an L. They, you know on forms when you sign your signature and then print your name below? Yes. Mine doesn't look much different. Oh, mine. <laughs> I can't, I, you know, print. I I can't do it. It, it takes too long. Mm, it, no. Yeah. I cannot do cursive. I don't mind them teaching it in school. I don't have a big issue with it, but duh, I don't think I would do well. Not going to do well. Now, see, my eye is connected in looking. <laughs> See? Now you, uh, by the way, if you were expecting Chief Smith, because we've been saying it, he's coming up at 8.40. I screwed that up. It's 8.40 for Chief Wayne Smith. FYI. What do you tell me? Don't what? ever let that happen again. Okay, I'll never let it happen again. <laughs> Promise. <laughs> 101.7 FM, 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty. Back Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. So did you watch any of the vote yesterday from the House? Yes, I did. I um, I watched it and, and I knew what was kind of going to happen, but I didn't know if they were going to try to do another vote right away or if they were going to um, they, adjourn. They took a recess, mm-hmm. yeah. And they're coming back today, 11 o'clock today, I think 10 o'clock our time, um, to take another vote. We're talking about voting for the Speaker of the House Jim Jordan, the Republican nominee for speaker, but he didn't get the required uh, 217 votes. No, he got 200 votes. Hakeem Jeffries got 212. Neither one got enough. You had people that voted for Scalise. You had people that voted for Kevin McCarthy. There were 20 stray votes. That's absurd. By the Republicans. And um, are they just trying to make a statement? Are they just saying, I'm voting for, even though Steve Scalise is not even, he withdrew his name, Mm -hmm. just going, uh, you you know what I mean? Yeah, there were about eight people that got one vote. 
And then Scalise got a couple. Did um, Mike Johnson get any votes? I didn't see Mike get any votes. I may have missed it, but I didn't see Mike. But Mike was front and center. I mean, he was right there with Jordan and the gang, you know, at the head table. Mm-hmm. Um when they introduced him and when they – Mike actually introduced the session, but he didn't nominate Jordan. Another person, another congresswoman did, a, a female nominated him. I forget her name. But it was just interesting to watch the process. They call four congressmen up to do the tally. You know, there's four from – two from each side of the aisle, I guess, and they do the official tallies to make sure it's all matching. And then they compare notes and go, yep, we all got the same. And then they – announced that there's not sufficient votes for either anyone to become speaker and then the the acting speaker gavels them and said we're going to go into recess so but hakeem jeffries got more votes oh yeah than jim jordan did you bet absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. we've got 221 republicans and we can't get 217 votes nope you you barely got 200 yeah you barely got 200 you got you got twenty. I think there was one or two that were absent, and and there were several that voted for someone else. So and, they'll and try meanwhile, again. Meanwhile, our president is in Israel. Yes. And uh, the Jordan Jordanian leader canceled the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was another me. Uh, there was Palestinian another meeting leader as well. Canceled the meeting mm-hmm. with the president. Uh, from what I understand. Uh, our Secretary of State Blinken was made to wait eight hours for his meeting with I, I forget which who it was an official there. There's no respect for our government right now worldwide. We're we're viewed upon as a, as a joke. And why is Biden going? What I don't understand what he thinks he's going to accomplish there. Other than if his is his entire intent is to hold up Netanyahu's a ground attack in Gaza, and I think that's the entire purpose. That could be, but the U.S. Department of Defense issued a quote "be ready to deploy" order for U.S. troops to possibly be sent to Israel to help them in their conflict. Now Netanyahu has said he does not want U.S. troops. On the ground in Israel. So why is our Department of Defense... Unless they're going to send them into Gaza, which, why would you do that with Israel about to, uh, you know, plan a massive assault, ground assault in Gaza? I don't understand. I I will never understand why we have to be... This almost makes our Shreveport City Council look like they know what they're doing. But why are we the one in the world who always steps up against the bad guy. I, and I know people say, because we're the good guy. That's what we do. Aaron, um, we are the good guy. I look know. At all, look at in the history of the United States, the, the times we have gone into foreign countries and, and saved those foreign countries. I, I Could have taken them over. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We turned them back over to their government. We've never gone in and taken over a foreign country. We've always helped other foreign countries. But are Unlike, we in a position now to keep doing that? Are we in a position now well, not to, to, not keep in 2023 being, to keep being the world's savior? In chief. We can't be the world's savior anymore with the conditions of our own country. But you, you remember that's what one of the things that Trump was saying. 
we, we've got to take care of our own. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were concerned about his foreign policy because he was going, you know what? America first. That, we've and, got and to I've, take care of our own. That's one of the things I agree with him. I mean, when you look around our country and you see the poverty, you see the infrastructure falling apart in many, many states. You see the 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 split, you know, we need to focus on repairing our country. Yeah. In our country, Republicans in the House, are you listening? We need leadership right now. Mm-hmm. We need you to step up, come together, elect a speaker, and let's get on with the business of running this country. Absolutely. Protecting our citizens. Mm-hmm. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Oh, boy. Speaking of leadership, John Nicholson wants to be the new leader of the Cattle Parish Sheriff's Department. He's going to join us coming up after the news top of the hour. Mike and McCarty, 1017FM710Keel.com. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017FM and 710Keel. Aaron, we got several messages on the Shreveport Security Systems message board about cursive handwriting being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louisiana Revised Statute 17, uh, 17226. Each public school shall ensure that such instruction is introduced by the third grade and incorporated into the curriculum in grades 4 through 12. Mm-hmm. Senator Peacock sent me that too. So, yeah, it is required in Louisiana schools. Who knew? I did not realize that. And yes, they sell handwriting pads. Do they? So they still, those still, yeah. those old timey, right? Like Big Chief, almost Big Chief tablet oh, kind of things. Gosh, wow! JD and Stonewall said North DeSoto is learning cursive in second grade. Second good. grade, okay. Good. You, they should. I don't mind them teaching it. I just know that I lost it at about. Ooh, by the time I was in college, I was printing. I don't know why. I'm not. That's, that's interesting. I, I think what the deal was. When I was in college, is when you made you took notes, right? And but you know, isn't on it a faster to learn in? I mean, to write in cursive. Well, it, it's Instead probably of, yeah, it's probably faster. But when you get home from class and you're trying to study your notes and you can't read them, that's an issue. So I had to you switch. Can't read your own <laughs> I handwriting. I couldn't read my own handwriting. So I decided I better print so I can make sure I can read. You know, like here's the top three. You know, atoms that are, you know, <laughs> present in the galaxy. Right, I don't uh, know. Right, sure. I couldn't read any of that stuff. And right. I, so I had to print it so I could remember what the professor said. But I mean, college today is so different. I mean, it's all on a, on a digital device and you take tests separately. I mean, the, the whole college world is so much different. It's unreal. Well, you know, I told you, uh, my brother in law that used to be a teacher said, in, when you and I were in college, you know, you went to class, you sat in class for an hour, mm-hmm. and you took notes. Yes. The professor lectured for an hour. You bet. And you took notes. He's, you know, they can't teach like that anymore. No. Because of uh, Twitter and the, you know, the 80-character limit and the TikTok videos. Right. You can't, take up, second. you can't take up the phones of college kids. Well, you know, so if they want to be on their phone, they're on their, yeah. Exactly. He said the brains, they've actually done studies, the brains have literally been rewired. 
the the neurons aren't firing in the same way that yours and mine used to. Unreal. Because of the short video clips, the sound bites, the the tweets that are short messages. The attention span is like a goldfish. Unbelievable. That kids can't learn like that anymore. So they have to. And teachers can you know correct me if I'm wrong. But they don't. They cannot teach in front of a class for an hour and lecture, and people take notes anymore. Wow, that is so crazy. It's, that is it's, it's, unreal. It's interesting, but yeah. it's 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 very strange. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, uh, John Nicholson, Caddo Parish Sheriff candidate, going to be joining us coming up right after the local news. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, and on the free Keel app. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keo, Mike and McCarty in studio. Cato Parish Sheriff candidate John Nicholson joining us. John, good morning, sir. Good morning. Your name came up yesterday during a lunch gathering I was at. Um, folks asking, how surprised were you that you led the field with forty five percent of the vote? I'm going to ask you yourself, how surprised were you? You know, I was not surprised to lead the field, but I am gratified that the voters of Caddo Parish gave us such a decisive lead in the end. Uh, To come in with 45% in a six-person field uh, was really a a tremendous victory that was to the credit of the hundreds of supporters who have worked so hard uh, to support our campaign for the past several months. You're running, obviously, now in the runoff with Henry Whitehorn, who has an extensive background in law enforcement. But as you have said and as others have told me, there are a lot of sheriffs in Louisiana who were lawyers or who do not have law enforcement background. It's not specifically a law enforcement job. Is that that what you want people to realize? That came up in the luncheon, the North Shreveport luncheon. You bet. You know, well, John's not post-certified, but the state law does not require the sheriff to be post-certified. And there's I'm sure there's reasons for that. Uh, look, that's absolutely correct. We've talked before during this campaign and, well, not in this studio because this is a much nicer studio yes. than I've ever sat in with y'all, but uh, in your previous studio about the fact that the sheriff really is the chief executive of an organization with a $70 million budget and more than 650 employees. And what's so important for voters to understand is that the sheriff has unilateral control over that budget and over those employees. So, Sheriff Prater has joked with me that the way he approves the budget for the sheriff's office every year, as does every sheriff in the state, is by calling a meeting with himself, approving the budget he has proposed and closing the meeting. (laughs) And, and, And that makes us all chuckle, but it's a good reminder of the fact that the person who sits in the sheriff's seat really has more individual control over a budget than any other elected official in this state. Do you have concerns as a resident of Caddo Parish um, that Chief Whitehorn would have the necessary budget experience to manage a $70 million budget. Well, I have to say that uh, my opponent talks a lot about his law enforcement experience, but what he often omits altogether at the forums that we attend uh, and in his literature for his campaign is the fact that his most recent experience was as Adrian Perkins' right-hand man and chief administrative officer. As a citizen as a man with a family in this community and as a candidate, I am very concerned about the idea of promoting the Perkins administration into the sheriff's office. Uh, Yes, that concerns me, and that's part of the reason I'm in this race. 
Your plan when you take over, Sheriff, there are some who are saying, oh, you're just going to do everything Steve Prater tells you to do. You're just going to run it like he's been running it. Nothing really is going to change. I want to hear you comment about that. Well, first of all, he's been doing a pretty good job. Yeah, look, I want to follow on what Mike has said first. Sheriff Prater has run that office for almost a quarter century And I know as a former elected official that the sheriff's office is really the best run part of our local government. Uh, So you will never hear me do anything other than compliment the sheriff's work uh, since he was elected almost 25 years ago. But, of course, I'm my own person, uh, and I have my own background. Uh, I look forward to assuming responsibility for an organization that is very well run, that has a strong command staff, uh, that enjoys the respect uh, of the hundreds of employees that work for the sheriff. Uh, but I'm going to bring my own experience uh, and my own perspective to this job. For example, I am very interested in ways that we can leverage technology to improve the efficiency, the effectiveness of the sheriff's office. That's not a criticism of Sheriff Prater. Technology is changing, it feels like, literally on a daily basis. But there are things we can do as a law enforcement organization Uh, that will allow us to make better use of taxpayers' dollars and will allow us to catch dangerous criminals more consistently and effectively. You talk talk about uh, the technology. Can you give us some examples of of some of the things that you would uh, implement? Uh, So uh, this is an example that I read in a recent, recently in a publication. We all know, no secret to criminals, and I'm reluctant to talk about the details of everything I'd like to do, given the nature of the work, but it's no secret that there are license plate readers uh, in various locations around the parish, and those are used lawfully and constitutionally to track the movements of criminals. Uh, there are jurisdictions now that are using generative artificial intelligence, chat GPT uh, is, is one example that people are most familiar with, to cull through data and identify uh, travel patterns uh, that are consistent with criminal activity. That's just one small example. So I noticed too, driving around town, specifically in Caddo Parish, a lot of a lot of uh, drivers have tinted covers over their license plates, and it, it, I don't know if you've seen those smoked kind of plexiglass covers. I have seen those. I don't think those are legal. Uh, they are unlawful if they obscure license plates. Uh, but I think part of the reason is if if because of those cameras. Those cameras can't see through, like I know traffic cameras in Baton Rouge, I think they have the intersection cameras that snap the the photograph if you run a red light. Um, The cameras can't read the license plates. And and I know when I was on patrol, I I would stop people with those. Well, look, that's right. Uh, My deputies will give that appropriate attention if I have the good fortune of being elected sheriff. You you mentioned, Mike, investigatory traffic stops. No. Another thing that voters need to understand as we go into this election on November 18 next month is that the sheriff sets policy, decides what his officers and deputies can and cannot do in terms of using all the available constitutional tools in their toolbox to investigate crime. So one thing that deputies can do and other law enforcement officers can do, of course, is conduct traffic stops for things like obscured license plates or taillights mm-hmm. uh, for the purpose uh, of having a lawful conversation with an individual they suspect of criminal activity. Uh, I am committed to allowing my deputies and encouraging my deputies to use all the tools available to us 
uh, to identify and apprehend criminals. Would you take that to stop and frisk? Do you believe in that? Yeah, of course. Uh, When applied properly, stop and frisk is an important uh, investigatory tool. And anyone who says otherwise uh, really doesn't understand the system well. I want to talk about juvenile crime when we get back and the, the role of the parish commission and the role of the sheriff. And uh, they want some of your money and they want me to ask you to give them some money. So we'll come we'll come back and talk about that, okay? <laughs> uh, we'll see. All right. County Parish Sheriff Candidate John Nicholson in studio. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710 Keel. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. We are in studio with Cattle Parish Sheriff Candidate John Nicholson. By the way, we have uh, extended an invitation to Henry Whitehorn as well. I spoke to Henry yesterday, and he is probably going to join us either tomorrow or Friday. I've offered him the same time slot, the same length of time, so we'll do the same thing with him, hopefully, if he sets it up. Um, Mr. Nicholson, I wanted to ask you, there was some mention during the Cattle Commission meeting Monday that they are struggling to, bur- to to shoulder the costs of feeding and medical expenses for some inmates that you house in both CCC and I guess the juvenile facility that are state inmates, that you get reimbursed, the sheriff gets reimbursed money from the state for those inmates, but you don't then transmit the money to the parish and they have paid for those costs. Is that something you will look into, you will look to do to, to figure out if y'all can come to an agreement on that? Well, look, I'll certainly investigate that concern, but I'll say that I have had conversations sufficient to satisfy me that the way the money the commission is referencing is flowing is consistent with state law. So nothing is happening with those funds uh, other than what state law requires. Uh, Am I willing to discuss with commissioners uh, ways we can work together to ensure that the needs of our respective organizations are met, of course? You have a fund balance. Is it in the um, range of $25 million, somewhere in that range or more? Uh, I believe it's more than that. Okay. Could you use some of that money to provide more juvenile beds for Caddo Parish? The voters spoke loud and clear that the way that the millage was written, I guess, was a little too vague perhaps. I'm not sure. I know how I felt. It had very broad language. I wasn't comfortable with it. The, the committee that worked a year said we need new beds. Could you use some of your money from the sheriff's department to provide more juvenile beds? We know that's a problem in our community. Aaron, it's it's not the responsibility of the sheriff's office to fund the construction uh, of additional bed space for juveniles. Of course, it is a critical problem, but the solution to what happened with the millage this weekend, of course, it was narrowly defeated, is for commissioners to go back to the drawing board and give voters very clear choices uh, on a, a future election about money that is to be spent for beds and have that be specified uh, in the language of the proposition and then perhaps another proposition to give voters an opportunity to provide money for other juvenile services. I mean, I, I, I worked through this, as you know, on the council in 2019. The Perkins administration tried to lump public safety with with parks, and I was very concerned about the possibility that that money would be approved by the voters thinking that it would be used for police and fire and would instead be diverted to some other purpose. So I opposed that proposition, and it failed. The commission needs to go back to the drawing board on this one. 
but it's the commission's responsibility, you say, to build and add new beds. It's not the sheriff's duty. Uh, that's right. Could you help, though, in an emergency, in a situation where our juvenile crime is spiking so high? Is it? Are you absolutely against doing that? Uh, I'm willing to have conversations about a range of possibilities. I do not anticipate those conversations would result in the sheriff's office funding a capital project for new juvenile beds. The election is coming up in November, mm-hmm. which is just a matter of weeks away. But Sheriff Prater is still going to be in office until, I think, June of 2024. Is that correct? Uh, that's right. Uh, there's only one sheriff at a time, uh, and Sheriff Prater's term does not end until June 30th of 2024. So July 1st, if if it's Sheriff Nicholson, what is uh, what are your duties, your first day in office? What is your first priority? So, so one of the very first things I will do uh, as sheriff is make decisions about who will serve in my command staff, who will be the chief administrative officer, the chief criminal deputy, the chief civil deputy, and some other key positions. I'm thankful that there is a very deep bench at the Caterpillar Sheriff's Office. There's some really fine deputies uh, and, and other leadership personnel who are getting ready to retire but getting that team in place, making mm-hmm. sure that people with the right experience and expertise to do the jobs that need to be done will be my top priority. Have you been talking with uh, department personnel? Have you been in contact with deputies and, and administrative personnel? And Yes, I've had regular conversations uh, with leadership in the sheriff's office. Henry Whitehorn sent out a flyer or somebody from his campaign sent out a flyer that some people are really cringing about. At the top, it says, vote. And under that, in smaller print, it says, because your life may depend on it. Um, that, to me, sends a strong message to, to I'm not sure who, but it says John Nicholson's going to kill people. And, and you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm being, I'm exaggerating, but is that offensive? Aaron, I, I want to respond to that in this way. Um I am committed to unifying this parish rather than dividing it. I'm committed to being a sheriff for everybody. And unfortunately, as a city council member, as you and Mike know, they ran this play before. Often when I opposed bad ideas, terrible ideas that the Perkins administration put forward and that Mr. Washington often sat silent on while they were pushed, the race car was played and the suggestion was made uh, that I care about people less because of their skin color. There is nothing more offensive to me than that. And so I am I am very sorry that my opponent is going to get down in the gutter and try to convince people uh, to interject race uh, in, into a contest that is about who is the best person to lead the sheriff's office and has nothing to do with skin color. That, that It saddens me. One more thing. Will you go get post-certified? I do intend to do that. And I'm not required to as sheriff, but uh, I am uh, fortunately, uh, I'm not 25 years old anymore, but I'm still in my 40s and healthy, and I intend to do all the physical training uh, and uh, and the classwork that needs to be done for post-certification. Will you wear a GoPro camera while you're doing that? I would love to see those <laughs> I, videos. I, 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 will, I, will, I will both uh, not wear a GoPro, and I will prohibit cameras anywhere in the vicinity, Aaron, unless you do it with me. No, but, but, oh, dear God. <laughs> yeah. What's the number for 911? <laughs> 
becoming post certified, there's that's an extensive training session. It I mean, is. is like for the you know police officer, even the reserve unit for Shreveport now requires reserve officers to be post certified. You've got to go through the academy. You know, is that a full time job? I, I am. Uh, I'm very familiar with that process because one of the uh, things that I do as a lawyer is represent the Louisiana Commission on Law Enforcement. Uh, that's one of my clients, and so I, it is a, an extensive process. Uh, my uh, timeline for completing that work may be extended by my other responsibilities as sheriff-elect, uh, but I would like to get that done. In our last minute before we wrap, your message to uh, Caddo Parish voters today, why John Nicholson should be the next sheriff. You know, Aaron and Mike, this is the most important election on the ballot next month for Caddo Parish. Um, I have the right combination of education, uh, professional and political experience, and proven track record as an elected official to lead this office. Uh, Sheriff Prater has done this job for a quarter century. He knows me from my prior government service. He trusts me to do this job, and I'm asking the voters of Caddo Parish to do the same. Sheriff, uh, <laughs> Sheriff oh. Candidate John Nicholson. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Paging Dr. Freud. Sheriff <laughs> candidate John Nicholson, uh, thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you both. We appreciate your time. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Back with money on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. One seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty, and uh, we're going to have Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith in studio with us, telling us how they're going to deal with the noise ordinance situation downtown, the decibel meters, the police officers. It's all going to be answered coming up after the break. Mike and McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Q. Get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. Here in studio with Shreveport Police Chief Wayne Smith joining us. Mike and McCarty Chief, good morning. Thank you. Good morning to all of you. Thanks is for having me. Is this your me. first time in our new room or have you been here before? Uh, this is the second time. Okay. And I love it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Um, Mayor uh, Arsenault vetoed the that, new noise ordinance. That is correct. So the existing ordinance doesn't have decibel levels. Uh, it does not. Uh, plain hearing uh, is what we go by, and it is an officer's discretion. Is the reasonableness of the sound uh, at the receiver's property line. Now, that existing noise ordinance has been described as uh, unenforceable, very convoluted, very difficult to understand and enforce. How are officers going to going to deal with this now? Well, I understand it very clearly, um, and I've planned a, a meeting today or tomorrow with the supervisors downtown to make sure all of us are on the same understanding about it. Chief, how's it going to work for getting you guys to come out? Does the, somebody that is having problems with the noise have to call in or are y'all gonna downtown you're already gonna be there i assume that is correct uh either way whether someone calls and uh in on an official complaint or we observe it on our own uh the ordinance still gives us that discretion to enforce the law last time you were with us about the noise ordinance we asked is somebody going to get a uh, warning and you said this is their warning um are you going to give warnings now under this old ordinance that's now in place 
uh, or are you going to go in and say, hey, you got to got to turn it down or we're going to cite you? Obviously, a great deal of discretion goes to in, into enforcing the law. And by all means, first, we would probably ask someone, would you please turn your music down? And if that doesn't work, then go to the next step. Will there have to be an audible difference in the music level for the officer to know from, obviously, it's from the street that you hear the music and then they go, oh, look, we turned it down, but you don't really hear a difference? Absolutely. Everyone is playing a, a different music down there, so you will know uh, where the music is coming from. That's no problem. Walk me through what your instruction will be to, to the routine patrol officer. If he's down on Texas Street and he's outside, he or she, I should say, outside Hayes on Texas, and they can hear the rooftop music down on Texas Street, and they can hear it down on the street, is that too loud? Well, you use good discretion. Uh, it comes from the property line of the receiving party. So okay. across the street or uh, where there's resident, if you go over to that property line and you can hear it and the sound appears to be unreasonable, then it is unreasonable in your, ju- your but judgment. But unreasonable, not just I can hear it. Right. Okay. Unreasonable. Okay. So where now, it would disturb about- you? Yes. Okay. Now, what about if that that you can hear um, is blaring vulgar language and obscenities? Is Does that factor into it as well? Absolutely. It should play into the officer's discretion. Uh the quality of, of the music, absolutely. Okay, you go back the next night to the same establishment and you have the same issue. Uh, are we going to keep giving warnings and turn it down, turn it down? Absolutely not. As I said last time, my warning started then. And uh, so, no, ma'am, that won't be continuous warnings. We will take it to the level uh, which the ordinance gives us the authority to do so. And Tim Huck told us the second time was... Uh, um, uh, citation. Third time the, under the ordinance, someone can be arrested. Well, each uh, each of the violations a person can be arrested. Uh, if you look at the ordinance, the first uh, offense is uh, $500 or a certain amount of time in jail. The second offense, I believe, is 750 and a certain amount in jail. And the third offense, I believe, is $1,000 and a certain amount in jail. So it can be either or. Does it ever get to the point where, okay, we're pulling your license or we're revoking your you know, liquor license, anything like that? At this point, uh, we hope that it doesn't get to that point. Uh, but if we have continuous repeated violators, then I would go back to the mayor and the council and ask that uh, that be one of the options in the permanent, in the uh, penalty that a person's uh, liquor license also can be jeopardized. Chief, the council's going to obviously take up the mayor's veto next week. We don't expect they'll override his veto. But is the long-term answer to this a better ordinance, a more compromised ordinance that does have decibel levels, something that you can clearly define? Absolutely. Uh, I like it that way where there are clear boundaries, where there can be clear evidence uh, that would take out so much of the discretion. Uh, we've purchased the instruments to measure the sound levels. And I look forward to using them. Are those instruments going to be used at all now with this, with the existing ordinance? Uh, they would be mitigation, absolutely. I would hope that the officer, in his discretion, uh, would say this level is unreasonable at this uh, particular place and bag that up with the instrument itself.
That would be like using a radar gun. This would be more evidence in court if it were needed. Absolutely it is. It's like the radar gun. Uh, You know, the officer's visual observation is what uh, initially alerts you, and the radar just confirms what you see. Did you use those meters this past weekend downtown? Uh, I was not down there this weekend. Uh, One is located downtown, and the supervisor has it, and I'm not sure whether he did or not. Okay. Because I don't know that the ordinance hadn't been signed yet, so it wasn't in place yet. Um, if the the veto is not overridden, then we're right now we're under the current ordinance. That is correct. So this weekend, your officers will be instructed to use their discretion, and if the noise is too loud, to uh, cite them. That that is correct. Uh, the ordinance, you know, gives greater restrictions to us to what we can enforce. So uh, the current ordinance, as it is, gives us the discretion to use. Chief Wayne Smith, thanks for your time. Thank you. Anytime. Mm-hmm. You bet. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. We, did, we didn't have time with the chief uh, about to go into some more detail on some of the noise ordinance because it's not just downtown. No. And it's not just targeting one particular business. No, absolutely not. It's a it's a citywide ordinance. It will apply in your neighborhoods. Uh, one of our messages on the Shreveport Security Systems message board asked, what about loud cars and motorcycle exhaust? Music. Yes. Mm-hmm. It will apply to all of that. Yep. Um, now, if you know, if some guy's out mowing his yard and i think you know i don't think they're going to write a ticket for that no and it'll be from from your house can you still hear that and is it you know is it does it rise to the level of whatever decibel level or as the chief said under the current ordinance where it's a a a nuisance a problem you know it's not going to be a lawnmower now it could be loud music coming from your next door neighbor if you're in an apartment and your your neighbor is, you know, blaring the music and you're in your apartment and you can't sleep, then, yeah, it would be a call to police. Absolutely. Now, I've ridden, and they make that call all the time. I've ridden bikes since I was like 14 years old. Uh, always had street bikes. Always had Honda street bikes. Uh, but I, I know other bikes, their pipes are really loud. And I know... Some of them like them that way and mm-hmm. try to get them as loud as they can. You bet. You've seen loud pipes save lives, um, but uh, it would absolutely apply to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is illegal exhaust on on cars and stuff. You can't you can't have something that's that's you know intentionally loud. It may sound cool, but it's it's uh, it, it'll violate the ordinance as well. Right. What I want to watch for is next week when the council does not override the veto, which, how, which Alan Jackson said they were not going to override it. Not going to override it. How quickly do they come back with a new ordinance? Will it be next week? Will they actually bring it up next week well, and try to get it through? Are they going to do a new ordinance, though? Do, I, do you think that's it's just going to, now we have what we have? I think they might. I think that, I mean, the chief says he would like a new ordinance. He would like to have some numbers. With that, a, a little yes. bit more concrete levels, a little more specific boundaries. So it's not up to the officer's discretion. He said uh, officer discretion. He said that several times. And and that and obviously that's not the best way to, to enforce this. Right. Where you have decibel levels, you can look at the meter, you can measure it, you're going to have the body cam from the cop. 
so you know it's one of those things so i will see you know I'm, I'm curious to see are they going to bring it back up will they compromise on the number lower it to something like 70 alan jackson used the number 70 many times so Will he will he compromise and put that back on the agenda? And that's kind of what the city attorney wrote to begin and, with. And in seventy going from eighty five to seventy is a huge difference. You bet. You think oh it's just it's just, it's only fifteen percent louder. Mm-hmm. No 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 no. That's not the way the decibel readings work. That's almost a hundred percent louder. It's over a hundred percent louder. You're right. Absolutely. From seventy five. I mean from seventy to eighty five. It's it's over twice as loud. Right. So exactly. it's uh, yeah, I would I I would think a seventy five or a seventy and then down to sixty five. I think that would be workable. Absolutely. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty.